Warning, this episode contains foul language and discussions about religion and mental illness. podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, creepy, sticky, scary, gross, and everything in between. In each episode, we sit down with one of our good friends and talk about our favorite weird topics. This week, we are talking about straight-up divine meddling. People that claim to have talked to God, have killed and claimed the devil made them do it, stigmata, miracles, and prophecies. Say hello to my lovely co-host, Lauren. Hey, weirdos. And to our very special guest, Kelly Reed. Hi, weirdos. She's here, Yay. and she's so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make her project. I'll, she, I'll, I'll, I'll be louder, I'll, I'll man. I'm going to whisper. You'll get there, So Kelly. if you hear any small squeaks, that's probably our good mouse friend, Kelly, uh, Kelly Reed. Um, we're all here. In the apartment. I'm sweating already. It's real toasty. Okay. Am I the only one? Are you hot? No. You're fine. I think okay, the coffee fine. is warming me up. Like, I haven't taken I, a I think drink of mine yet. I'm well, like sweating like a monster. I don't know what Okay, whatever. Um, before we get into this week's topic, we're going to get into our new segment, This Week in Weird. 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 No music this week? Thank you for the scat. You're welcome. Um, okay, so I just have one thing for this week in weird. I know there's been a lot of Amityville Horror stuff mentioned lately, but I keep finding cool shit and I have to talk about it, so I'm really sorry that I'm not sorry at all. Um, so we all know the story. November 13th, 1974, Ronald DeFeo shot and killed six members of his family at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. Despite using a 35 caliber rifle in the murders, one of the DeFeo's family members, uh, not one of the DeFeo family members appeared to be startled by the gunshots, each of them killed in their sleep one at a time. One month after the DeFeo's conviction, George and Kathy Lutz and their three children moved into the house where they claimed to experience everything from black-green slime oozing from the walls to spontaneous bite marks on family members to uh, demonic manifestations of all kinds, including a pig with glowing eyes. Do you guys remember that? Yes. From the movie? That I made really Lauren watch the movie. Scene. She, um... Oh, I've never seen I it. I don't know if she was a fan. <laughs> did you ever see, like... Did you see the remake? I or? saw Conjuring. Close enough. Um, close enough. Did you see Conjuring 2? Nope. Okay. Um, (laughs) You should watch Conjuring 2 with Annabelle? No, no, that's Annabelle. But Conjuring 2 is so, Conjuring 2 starts at Amityville. Mm -hmm. But, like, very quickly. Yeah, it's just a little prequel. No, no. Because remember, Conjuring ends with him saying, like, there's a case in New York that I think you'd be interested in. They were talking about Amityville. Yeah, to Amityville. The most famous case. Yeah. Anyways. So, uh, after just 28 days late, uh, 28 days later, <laughs> I got movies movie. on the brain. Uh, after just 28 days in the home, the Lutzes fled, never to return, not even for their belongings. Uh, to this day, none of the families who have lived in the house since have experienced any paranormal activity, but, uh, 
There has been paranormal activity surrounding a small piece of wood collected from the iconic building. Hmm. It's a foot-long plank, and it seems to be haunted. The plank's home, most of the time, is a shelf in an office inside the home of Greg Newkirk and Dana Matthews. They are the founders of Planet Weird. Uh, Planet Weird is a hub for some of the most groundbreaking things happening in the world of the strange and unexplained. They are also the couple that travels with the Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult, which I've talked about one million times. Several times. Um, Many evenings they say they'll be woken in the middle of the night to a hollow clank as the wood tumbles from its shelf, bouncing off the desk and onto the floor. Uh, strangely, of all the times it's happened, it's happened more often than not around 3.15 a.m., the very same time that George Lutz claims he was woken up during his time at 112 Ocean Avenue. Creepy. Um, the previous owner of the plank had many stories to tell as well. Uh, they had actually collected several pieces of wood from the house. Uh, this is the only one left as they eventually burned the rest one night, they placed one of the pieces in the center of a Ouija board during a seance, and they said that not only did the plank rattle, but it also produced a putrid odor, causing several guests to get physically sick and even throw up. Oh, no. So that's insane. Not a fan of that um, plank. <laughs> usually when they take the artifacts around with the tour of the museum, they leave them without display tags, obviously, so people can have their own experiences with the items without being influenced one way or the other. Uh, people who identify as psychics or sensitives would immediately recoil from the plank. One woman, after describing how she felt darkness seeping from, from the wood, saying that it radiates bad energy, saying she saw evil, claims that it physically shocked her. Like, it zapped her as she touched it. Oh, jeez. kind of reminds me of that mirror you guys talked about that one time. That's yeah. in the museum, too! Well, how we, we gotta figure museum, out where this yeah, museum is. Go. Except, maybe we don't. Because <laughs> it says, so maybe it sounds awful. Yeah. We do! It's a traveling museum, so it's got a, their schedule's out. We should look it up. It's one of those things that I think I want to see, but I think if I actually went to it, I would just be crying and <laughs> curled really up in the it. fetal position. Later. But <laughs> then, I, yeah, and I'd have a story forever, and it would be good, so that's mm -hmm. a good point. Or we'll go and be like, this is all garbage. This is all trash, and it was all a lie. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. We'll see. Um, not only this, but apparently the plank has incredible reactions to K2 meters, a.k.a. EMF meters. Uh, a couple years ago, a woman had taken a photograph of the plank in a glass case and immediately gave the photo to Greg and Dana because there's a reflection of a little girl in the glass. It looks like she's bending down trying to get a better look at the plank. The most frightening thing is that it looks a lot like Allison DeFeo, particularly because of the school uniform she's wearing that's identical to that of the Amityville St. Martins where the DeFeo girls went to school. Oh my... But that's not the only time that one of the DeFeo children mysteriously appeared in the background of a photo. The most famous image from the investigation of 112 Ocean Avenue in 1975, Ed and Lorraine Warren, set up an array of motion-activated cameras which caught the appearance of a young boy peeking out of a doorway on the second floor. This child bore a striking, striking resemblance to John Matthew DeFeo, another one of the children killed on November 13th, 1974. That's that picture we've seen before, right? Yeah, so I have crazy. the pictures side by side. So this is John Matthew. This is the picture that... The top picture and the one on the side is the one that Ed and Lorraine captured. Mm -hmm. There were no kids in the house, okay. mind you. And right. then there's also a picture of the actual ah. boy. 
Did you see it? I caught sight of it. I don't like it. <laughs> it's so weird. I want to see it again. I hate it. Show it to me. I hate it. Let ah. me see it one more time. <laughs> Ew, get out of your glowing eyes. It does look exactly like him. I feel like you can sure, see that little a, button nose. Maybe there's a cat in there. That is not a cat. He has a button nose, maybe, like a small boy. I mean, like, let's, let's zoom in here. It's a cat. Then, <laughs> this, this one's a little Kelly's bit harder. Like, it's for sure a cat. This one's a little bit harder to see. You have to kind of zoom in. So this is the reflection this woman caught in the, because the plank was in like a wood case. Okay. And she just took a picture of the wood case. Uh, but it's definitely the reflection of a little, a little girl of some kind wearing a school uniform. And cool, then cool, the picture cool. on the left is Allison in her school uniform. I don't know if I see it. Are those knees? Uh-huh. Oh, well, yes, her knees are in the picture. <laughs> they are, right? Yeah. Okay. You can see her little is black she, like, legs. She's like further, further away. Okay. Yeah, she's further oh, okay. away. And she's I sort of now. like, she it looks like she's going like this. Yeah. Okay. Ew. Now, the people okay. who took these photos, did they already know about these kids? Because couldn't they just be like... Well, obviously, Ed and Lorraine Warren knew about know. those kids. Yeah. This woman didn't. She was at like she was at a hotel, and she was just so. See here, she yeah. puts her head. Here's her the top of her knees, and here's her socks, and she's in a skirt. And kind of looks like right here, like where her neck, like this little. Yeah, you can see that white little neckline. Her like bow tie Creepy. type thing. Yeah, the woman that took that picture was just at this hotel for a some sort of conference. Had nothing to do with the paranormal, but she got there early and was waiting. And they were setting up their paranormal like table, uh-huh. and were like telling her about stuff. And they were like, "If you want to come look," and like that plank was in a case with the book *Amityville Horror*, like one of the original copies of the book, and then something else. It might have been a picture of the house or something. It was like a whole like setup. And she just took a picture of it, but she didn't know she certainly didn't have a picture of Allison in her school uniform. She right. just took a picture and then like went to the conference and then later came back and was like, I have to show you this picture that I just took and see what you think. And they yeah. were like, send me a copy immediately. Holy crap. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Wow. That's yeah. pretty cool. So it's very interesting. Yeah. What? Anyway. Anyways, that was the only story I had for Weekend Weird. I found that, and I thought that was really interesting. We really have to go to that museum. I want Ugh, to see it so bad. Fine, I hate you. Every other week, I find, like, a new article about true. something, and it's like, you can see this in the museum, museum, a traveling museum of the occult and blah, blah, and I'm like, why have I... Maybe that's a sign that you keep finding those. We do need to go. You Maybe right. it is a sign, and I'll go, and I'll die on the way. I'll get destinationed, which is what I call dying from now on, because I've recently rewatched all the destination movies final destination movies so now no one dies anymore they get destination destination <sighs> i like it i'm with but that's it. okay you can die because we can carry on for you yeah we know your plan mm-hmm. uh-huh you take we'll those true yeah then lauren we will, will do finish it. your work lauren mm-hmm. can die and then oh. kelly tries and then i try but don't try that hard i <laughs> <laughs> don't try that hard so <laughs> i, I live and i tell your story <laughs> Exactly. And, and you can make deal. some money. Yeah, I was going to say. Movie. Nice. You're being smart about this. Yeah, I you're like being that. very fiscal. Once you guys get out of the picture, it's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's all. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly Jesus. I'm a little scared. What? <laughs> what? She looks sweet and innocent. Told me it was She's a weird uh, podcast. Anyways, that's all I have for this week in weird. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. This week in weird. Um. So, listener feedback. I have one quick story, because yeah. uh, I thought it was pretty... I was going to tell last week, and we had a ton of stuff to go over, so I didn't get to. Um, 
So my mom actually uh, called me like the Monday after Glitch and the Maria came out, which was an episode uh, where we talked about glitches in the Matrix, deja vu, multiple timelines and universes and it was crazy as she was listening to that episode she had a glitch in the matrix happen to her so she was waiting in the waiting room while my dad had surgery he just had minor surgery and she was waiting in the waiting room listening to glitch in the maria and uh, she was the only one in there like the entire time she was the only one in the waiting room Uh, and a nurse came out and called for someone and i don't remember what the name is we'll just say it's stephanie So the nurse comes out and calls for Stephanie, and my mom was the only one in there. My mom told her she had been the only one in there for, like, 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And the nurse insisted that she had just come out and spoke to Stephanie just 10 minutes prior. And my mom was like, no. No, I've been been the only one in here for, like, pretty much the entire time. Like, there's never been anyone else in here. And the nurse was like, I just spoke to her. I was just out here talking to Stephanie. And my mom was like, ah, I don't know what to tell you. And my mom's yeah. a nurse, too, so she kind of knew the woman a little bit. And she was like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. Like, she she wasn't out here. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, uh, about an hour later, the nurse uh, brought a patient out. And the patient was like, is my daughter Stephanie not here yet? And the nurse said, she was, but I'm not sure where she went. And a couple minutes later, a woman came through the door apologizing, saying that she couldn't get away from whatever church function she was at and apologizing for being late. So either the nurse is crazy and didn't talk to anyone or my mom witnessed a glitch in the Matrix where, like, one reality where Stephanie got there and spoke to the nurse and another reality where she didn't get there on time. Right. And my mom witnessed, like, both of them. Yeah. Because the nurse insisted that she spoke to her. And Stephanie and then she showed came up running she in was late. Like, like, I yeah, she was here. like, I'm so sorry. That is nuts. I know. Or it makes me wonder if the nurse just talked to some random girl who's like, I'm Stephanie. <laughs> uh, yes, me. But my mom was like, no one was in the yeah, waiting room. True. Like, I'm not crazy. Right. I'm sitting here bored out of my mind. Except the nurse not may have lost her damn mind. Or yeah, could have. Maybe Stephanie called. And so she was on the phone with her and just kind of confused. Maybe. Yeah, do you think she confused the phone call with real life? Maybe? Who knows? Maybe she was on like a 24-hour shift. And I mean, if I was know. her, I'd rather like... Like, oh, I forgot I had a phone call. Then I'm just talking to nobody. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was like, well, did she even come out in the lobby? Like, what if she like, came out in the lobby and was just having a conversation with me? <laughs> like, hey, Steph. And it's like a coat hanger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what happened there, but my mom was pretty freaked out, especially yeah. like listening at the time she was listening to that episode. I was like, all right. She tells me. Every week, she's like, you've got to stop doing the podcast. And I'm like, why? And she's like, I mean, I love it, but weird I was listening and this happened. Yeah, she's had some weird events, more than we have while we've been doing I the know. podcast. It's always your mom that has the weird happening. I know, like every week, she's like, okay, this is what happened to me this week while yeah. I was listening to the podcast. Sorry about it. Sorry about it. Just keep uh, listening. <laughs> keep listening, please. I love that, though. That's I so know. great, because like... I have all this weird shit that I always see, but sometimes I have to remind myself to, like, be open-minded and look for it. Like, one time I saw a woman with seven parrots on her shoulder. She rode a bicycle down a road. Seven parrots? Seven gray parrots. What? What? It's true. Yeah, I I see a lot of weird shit. It's not, like, supernatural, but I see... You just see, see bizarre things. But there, there was, like, two years where I kind of forgot to look, and I just... Nothing weird happened to me. But then I was like, I should kind of keep my eyes open... 
Uh, last week, I saw a woman walking down the street in a medical gown with brand new Nikes on, jamming out to her iPod with a hospital bracelet still on. What on, on earth? Santa Monica in Hollywood. And oh my well, that's not shocking. Not, well, that not, sounds about right. not super shocking, but no, some people but might not notice no, that. No, I would. I don't know. Oh, what seen a trendy her. gown she's in. No, it's <laughs> yeah. a hospital gown. No, it's a hospital gown, gown and she has her Gucci? bracelet on. That looks great. Yeah. Thank you, so your podcast is great because it's like reminding your mom to like be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, and eyes open, open for the weirdness. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. I did. Yeah, I like that. Thanks, Kelly. She doesn't. Oh, <laughs> you enjoy. Mom yourself. doesn't. <laughs> no, she'll be fine. I think she does. Deep down, <laughs> deep, deep down, down, she loves fine. it so much. Um. So, anyways, um, divine meddling and intervention and interference uh, interference all kinds of things um so we're gonna start with kelly since she's the reason that we kind of did this episode uh because she has a bonkers story kelly would you like to tell lauren and the listeners your story and why you're here yeah so i mean you asked for weird stories on facebook and i was like sure i have one actually i have a lot but this is the one that's <laughs> the one is- the most Actually, no, I was even, Bunkers. I was telling you all the, the bullshit little ones, and then all of a sudden I was like, hold on, I have this one about my great, great aunt, and then I sent it to you, and it was kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't what believe What on that. earth? Oh my gosh, I um, can't wait. So on my mom's side, there's a lot of crazy stuff that just kind of happened in, in my family. They're Irish Catholic through and through, like, 100% Irish, like, um, my great, great aunt, Anna Rose Kelly. Okay. Um, died. Is she Irish? <laughs> Is she? <laughs> yes. That doesn't sound Irish. Uh, when when she was twelve, she died. Okay. When she was twelve. She was, okay. She died when she was twelve years old. But before she died, she had this like really crazy end of life experience. In January of nineteen twelve, uh, she came downstairs and her mom's like, "You don't look well," and she's like, "I'm fine, mother." And then eventually, she wasn't. She just was put into bed and they couldn't really figure out what was wrong and her mom uh called the doctor and her, the doctor just told her that your daughter's never getting better and she's gonna die okay well, that's in january right shortly after the doctor tells uh the mother this my great 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 grandmother my great great aunt i'll just call her anna rose anna rose starts having visions of christ she's 12 and she has this like fit not it wasn't described as a fit but i'm just calling it that i guess for three hours she was like unconscious but she was moving like she wasn't present with the people in the room but she would raise her as her her mom said that she raised her little arms up to god while holding a crucifix in one hand and a lighted candle in the other and she would make the sign of the cross and then kiss the crucifix and then lower her arms and do it again. And she did it for three hours. For three hours. Yeah. And then when she came out of it, she told her mother how she spoke to God. And her little brother, Aloysius, had passed away six months before that. And she told her mother how Aloysius came to get her, but God told him to wait. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And let me see. Like, And she, she was very aware that she's gonna die yeah and she's very matter of fact of it like one i have a couple quotes from the the reading i have is from my great great grandmother's diary okay. yeah so it's in which her, yeah. kelly's grandma has this diary in this, locked in like a safe yeah it's a okay. safe deposit box in the okay bank. 
Yeah, um, hold on to that. Yeah, so one of the things it says is, so she had intercessions with God. She understood her mortality and tried to comfort her mother with these words. Mother, don't cry. God just told me he would not take me right away. He said I could stay a little longer, but he told me I would never get better. So, Mother, please don't cry for me ever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She's 12. She's 12. She's 12 years old. And That's crazy. So she got sick in January, and she was sick for nine months. And every day for nine months, she'd have these visions. And they would happen more or less at the same time, but for different lengths. And... Uh, her mood would also change depending on certain things. So she was in her bedroom upstairs, and then across from her was across from her bed. I think was a portrait of the Virgin Mary, and like to the right of her was I think a photo of the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Like the dove. Sounds kind of Catholic. <laughs> Very Catholic. <laughs> oh, and while she was having these visions, when um, members of her family would cross in front of that, she would get like a scowl on her face. But when members of the church passed in front of it, nothing bothered her. Whoa. Yeah. And it's recorded in the Catholic Church that these events happened to my great-great-aunt. And uh, they had a bishop come and see it happen. Because not only that, but at a certain point, uh, there was, like, red drops of stuff that started appearing on the wall above her bed. There's three, I mean, in the diary it says it's three drops of blood that appear. And they aren't able to remove it. But when she passes away, the drops disappear off oh, the wall. Wow. Yeah. It's cool, right? That's so cool. <laughs> it's cool, right? That's um, but really that's cool. actually recorded in the Catholic right. Church. She went down in history for these crazy events. It's That's nuts. I think the craziest thing is like my great great grandmother had to watch her little girl go through like all this stuff. Oh, and can like, you imagine? Yeah. And it's almost like like her daughter knows more than her and I don't know. It's it's wild. Yeah, um, you have to kind of listen to your daughter your tell daughter you that tell she's going to die. Things, right. Yeah. And tell and you that. She's comforting you. Yeah. We're going to be right. fine. God told me we'd be And fine. so she would slip in and out throughout the day with these visions. And when she'd come to, she was fully present. But during the visions, she was out. No go. Yeah. Let me... I have some other quotes from it that I thought were really cool. Let me find one. Okay, here's the one about... Uh, the motions that she did. Okay. While Anna was in the vision, she put her little arms up like an ark. When the most beautiful smile came across her face and little darling sang a most beautiful song, which we had never heard before or since. As she sang the song, we all thought she was dying and we prayed the rosary. All this time, a delivery man was present. Sorry, that's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) Delivery man's just like, All this time, uh, Bob was here. Prior, um, prior, prior to this little section, a delivery man had come and, and sat down and talked with her, uh, Anna, and then she fell into like this like vision, right? Okay, so the delivery man was present, and he said it was the most beautiful sight he'd ever seen. Oh. And she stayed like that for two hours. Oh my gosh. That's insane. So she's yeah. just singing, has her arms in the air. Yeah, but it's also a song they never heard, right. and she's never heard again. That's bonkers. Yeah. That's what Oh my gosh. Um, so she wound up so Anna wound up dying mm-hmm. early on a Saturday morning. She died at two AM. Her mother was like sitting watch over her, right? Right. And at one thirty Anna woke up and she said Anna woke up and she asked for her brother John, but he wasn't home from work yet. And so Anna said, Oh dear, I can't wait for him or daddy. I must go. 
Mother, say goodbye to them for me. I'm going to heaven. They are waiting for me. At two in the morning, Anna passed away. Her mother writes, she had always cherished the hope of dying on a Saturday morning. As <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing so much at my own family history. <laughs> it's just like, it's... I, part of it's the language that's written in. It's just so serious for such yeah. a small child yeah. to say it. That little so it should be like, to be oh saying, dear. Oh dear, I must go. I must I know, go. I did, like, yeah. farewell forever. Which that's what makes it even more crazy. Yeah. Because no one would speak like that. She truly had someone. She's like Dakota Fanning. Well, <laughs> they probably t- they, they probably said things like that more. Oh yeah, like, no, their language was but, completely that's different. That's true. I'm sure she doesn't say like every uh, like, thirty yeah. seconds, like I do. Yep. But Same I, days. I think it's crazy that she she had planned to die early on a Saturday morning, and mm-hmm. the reason for that is because uh, the Virgin Mary comes early to Purgatory on Saturday mornings. To that's what she said. To collect or is that a thing? No, that that's the thing in the Catholic Church. But that's what she told her mother. She wanted to die early. So that when Mary came through, her soul would be collected early throughout the day, so she doesn't have to wait in purgatory, but she can go straight to heaven. Well, oh, okay, that's insane. My yeah. goodness, I didn't know that was a thing in the Catholic Church. Oh yeah, I so didn't either. When, and I was raised in the Catholic. In church. the Catholic Church, when you pass away, you go to purgatory first, and that's where the souls are sorted out. It's no fucking pearly gate, man. It's not like that. It's a right. Great, it's a great. It's a zone. waiting room. Yeah, uh-huh. it's a waiting room. Um. Well, and I know, I mean, I most of the stuff that I, I was raised Lutheran. Uh-huh. It's not Catholic at all. But we had the catechism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had to learn the catechism. So yeah. in that sense, it was a little bit more Catholic than just straight up, like, I don't know, Christian. Yeah. Right. Um, but we definitely didn't have purgatory. But I do know that waiting in purgatory, uh, like a minute in purgatory is supposedly like two years. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, because people have talked about, uh, like, near-death experiences or dying. People that have died for, you know, 45 seconds or whatever. Like, their heart stops and then they come back. They yeah. they say that they were, when they claim that they either went to hell or went to heaven or went to purgatory, they say that they were there for what seemed like years. Mm-hmm. And they'd only been dead for like a minute. Months, maybe, yeah. That's... Which is crazy. All nutty. Do you want me to read any more quotes from... Please? Yes. Okay, let me just get my coffee. All the things. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I had no idea how to present this story, so I just kind of was like, quotes, this, this, no, this is so great. I just think it's like, I think one of the coolest things that is that the blood showed up on the wall. Yeah. And it disappeared. Also, so her little brother, Aloysius, that passed away, he died of diphtheria when he was six, six months prior to her death. When he died, the morning he died, two white doves appeared and hung out in his room as he was dying, and they wouldn't leave until uh, he passed away. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and then they never saw doves again. Wow. That's weird. Where was this? A uh, Chicago. Chicago! Wow. Yeah. Um, My whole family, place. like, w- they went from Ireland to Chicago. <laughs> and they stayed there. Yeah. And they're still there. And they're still there um, to this day. What was... Do you know the official cause of death for Anna? No. And and that's one of the things is, like, I've been trying to think. I was, like, researching the what would go on in, like, the medical world at that time in 1912. Right. And one thing that I was thinking, there is two possibilities for me, is that maybe she had cancer. Mm-hmm. And maybe she, or 
she had a chronic disease, but at the time if you had like a chronic disease, you don't last very long. Like if you had diabetes right. back then, you only you last a couple for. months. Yeah. yeah. You know, you either miraculously heal, yeah, uh-huh. or you die or you like die. seven months later. Right. And she let, and she was sick for nine months. So I don't know if it whether it was like an autoimmune disease or maybe she had cancer or cancer doesn't run in my family, but who knows at that time, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Well, and I wonder what, like, if we're thinking of it. And she was a, like a city kind of gal. Right. Like early Chicago days. I mean, her father was the captain of the, he was the fire chief of Chicago. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, because I'm thinking of like what, what like actual diseases would make something like that happen. I know. It, and the thing is, so she was bedridden. She was weak. She would slip in and out of these visions, but when she was... But when she was not having the visions, she was, she was fine. Yeah, she was coherent. Like, she yeah, would say that's that the she only was, thing. She would say that yeah, she's tired, like, but that? she is like she was aware of what was going on around her. She made plans for the future. Plans as being like, I'm going to church to kiss, like, the cross before I die kind of plans. Right. I'm, uh-huh. I'm going to see my school chums once before I die kind yeah. of, you know. Right. Uh, some people say that uh, epilepsy could mm-hmm. be a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, epilepsy seems to be a pretty, like, common thread when it comes to religious visions of that time and then dying not too long afterwards. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, but what's interesting with the epilepsy is that she would have these visions, she would have these things happen to her right. around the same time. Based on the diary entries, it's around the same time. Also, she's not, like, convulsing like I would think epilepsy would be. Because yeah. she's holding things in her hand. She's holding a, right. a lit candle yeah. and a crucifix. Seems like she actually is pretty stable in yeah. those moments. Let me see if I can too. find... Because um, there's a couple times her mother asked her, like, what she's seen. And she's kind of describes it kind of not. You'll, you'll see. I'll, I'll show you. I need more coffee in my body. Get that coffee. Okay, so, <laughs> so welcome back. <laughs> so the doctor's been called. This is the first time that she's kind of like slipped into unconsciousness. This right. is the day she gets sick and she thought she was, the mother thought she was dying, but instead she was having intercession with God. For while our good priest, Father O'Sullivan, was praying for her, she regained consciousness and said, mother, don't cry. God just told me he would not take me away right away. Okay, I said that already. Mm-hmm. Um, on that same... Ah, shit. <laughs> Did you it's all lose single, it? It's all single space. There's no double spaces here. It's, it's, it's a little difficult. difficult to read. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to sift um, through that. Okay. On that same morning at 9 o'clock, she had a vision that lasted from 9 a.m. to 12 noon. During this vision, she held the lighted blessed candle in one hand and the crucifix in the other. She'd raise herself high off the pillow and raised both her little arms high as they could go, making the sign of the cross, and she'd bring them down and kiss both the candle and the crucifix, and would kiss and kiss the crucifix until we thought she would take our dear Lord off the cross. (laughs) (laughs) During the same vision, two of the sisters from St. Leo's came to see her, and the sister said, Mrs. Kelly, your little girl is having a beautiful vision. Just at 12, she left her vision, and she looked at me and said, Hello, Mother, as if she'd been away on a long journey. I said, hello, dear. Where were you and what did you see? And she said, mother, 
Please don't ask me any questions, for he told me not to tell. <gasps> what? At three o'clock in the afternoon, the vision came back again, and from what we, what we all witnessed, the vision must have been beautiful. It lasted one whole hour. We had waited all day for her death. At five o'clock on the same day, she had another vision that lasted from six in the evening. Oh, from five to six in the evening. And when she came out of it, she said, Mother, come here. I have something to tell you, but don't tell anybody. Aloysius, her brother, mm -hmm. took all the pain out of my back, and he told me he would help me get better for just a little while, and soon he's going to come take me to heaven with him, and he said to tell Mother, I sent her my love for her not to cry. Oh. Uh, and he died on November 6th, so, huh, six months prior, he was six years old, died on November 6th. Ooh. Maybe Aloysius was not in heaven and he tricked her and Aloysius, what if it wasn't Aloysius? No, none of that. You know what's sense. kind of funny? I was trying. I was trying really hard. I was going theory. for like a little yeah. theory train and I, it didn't work. I read something recently actually, or not recently, I think it was a couple of years ago, but I should look it up again. I read something that there was... um. There's another more recent translation of the ancient text, and they were saying that it actually might be 616. Really? Instead of 666. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't really know why. I mean, I know why 6 is a bad number, because 3 is, it's the, it's kind of, well, I guess it's not the opposite of 3, but 3 is the Holy Trinity. Yeah. Uh, and then 6 is supposedly, like, a perversion of... The Holy Trinity. Yeah. But then why would 616 make any sense? Why would 616 make any sense? Why does 6 mm. make sense? Like I know. I mean, it really doesn't. No. 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 So I don't know. Huh. Right. Actually, I remember reading it. I remember when it was. It was way longer than a couple of years ago. It was um, June 6, 2006. Okay. So it was 666. Um, it was 666. It was my sister's birthday. <laughs> the Omen remake was out in theaters. Uh, I went yes. to see it. I remember that. And then very soon after that, someone had come out and said, like, released an article saying it might actually be 616. Hmm. Maybe they were just trying to stir up some trouble. Maybe they were. Maybe they were like, that's why the Omen bombed. It's right. like, no. No, it just wasn't. No, a good actually, movie. it was because it was bad. It wasn't a well made Which, film. Um, that story's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. That's real good. You like it? I loved that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> oh, that's good. I was oh, like, that's really cool. Like, I know a lot about my dad's side, but my mom's side, there's all these weird little things, and most of it's because they're secrets. It's not necessarily, yeah. like, ghostly. It's just, right. like, at the time, Catholics loved being secretive. Everything was a faux pas, but they loved doing it. But they right. didn't want to tell anyone. Right. It yeah. was all kept under wraps. And so, like, I know all these things about my family that's, like, bonkers yeah like uh one of my one of my great aunts or whatever somehow connected to me her little girl choked on a button this is way off topic by the way that's choked okay. on a button died. Sorry, okay so uh -huh. choked on a button and yeah died. It, I, I think it was my grandmother's cousin anyway her daughter died she kind of went a little crazy and you know the train that goes to siu <gasps> i yes you told me the story tell it it's terrifying so, Do you know the train that goes from, uh, like, Chicago to, to Southern New Orleans? I mean, I know of well, it. it Never taken it. It goes all the way to New Orleans, right? Does it really? Yeah. And oh, so, shit. Uh, so her little girl died. She had two girls. One choked on a button and, and passed away. And she kind of went a little mad about it and wrapped her up and took her on the train, dead, to take yeah. her to see her father. 
who lived out of state and down there. And so she was just carrying this, like, dead body. Dead child, a dead, like, four-year-old oh, no. girl with her. And she eventually oh. was caught somewhere around Carpendale just because the train passengers were complaining that this little girl wasn't moving. And, yeah. And she got in trouble for her trying to carry about a dead body across state lines. And it wasn't like she was trying to be vindictive. She was just a mother that lost her child. Yeah. And she, she was in shock. Way. I mean, yeah. Molly was just yeah. like, what do I even but do right now? I have to get to those the Those are like the weird little kind of creepy stories yeah. that are on my mom's side. Got some crazy family history. Um, yeah. You have it all. Well, the bleeding walls thing, because I have a couple um, stories about... I mean, we talked about there's there's stigmata, obviously, um, yeah. which we will talk about. But there's also um, other strange uh, bodily happenings. Like, let's see, there was one woman, Blessed Maria Bolognese, ba- 1924 to 1980. I'm probably just butchering that but we'll call her blessed maria uh she was an italian roman catholic mm-hmm. um and throughout her life she suffered from debilitating diseases and she was subject to various demonic possessions and visions of course that's what they thought was yeah. happening to her in the catholic church um on january 2nd 1944 jesus appeared to maria he was suffering and sweating blood and he said to her Maria, it is for the conversion of souls. Now my scourge will also be yours. Your body will also sweat blood. My sweat is yours. She woke up, told a nurse what she had seen, and then sweat sweat out a great quantity of blood for five minutes. Afterwards, her bed sheets were soaked in blood. Uh, Maria then received the marks of the stigmata uh, in a fascinating way. Uh, so later in that year, 1944, she gained the pierced wound on her side. In 1951, she had deep gouges in her back as if she was whipped, but there was no whipping anything to be found. Uh, in 1954, she received the wounds on her feet. In 1955, she received the left uh, hand wound. And then in 1957, she received the right hand. Um, and then she suffered a heart attack and died in 1971. Life, man. Process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Well, I guess we'll go over since I already said something about the stigmata. The stigmata is basically um, the appearance of marks, sensations, or actual wounds like those that Christ received during the crucifixion. Um, And the first recorded case of stigmata was Francis of Assisi in uh, 1224, uh, September 14th. It was a Saturday, to be specific. Uh, he was a noted holy man and future saint. He did uh, acquire sainthood. Um, and he was preparing to enter a second month of a retreat with a few close companions uh, in Tuscany. Uh, Francis has spent the previous few weeks in prolonged contemplation of the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he uh, was also weak from uh, fasting. Uh, as he knelt to pray in the first light of dawn, he began to contemplate the passion of the Christ, yada, yada, yada. He saw a seraph that came down, supposedly his wings were on fire, um, and they talked for a while. Basically, he had a vision, and the people that uh, that kind of saw this happen to him, he was, like, on some sort of hilltop. But, like, the people that saw him said that he was doing things like your great-great-aunt was. He was, like, making the sign of the cross uh-huh. for, like, mm-hmm. however Forever. long. And when he came back down, it, this is what he told them. He was just like, yeah, the seraph came down and told me this stuff. And uh, when he came down, he had the wounds on his hands and feet, as well as the uh, the mark on his side where the spear of destiny was 
thrust into Jesus. This is, his case is the only, there's a couple more that the Catholic Church thinks is real. Yeah, Yeah, they recognize as being real, but his is the one that they absolutely, because people actually saw him on the hilltop, saw him doing the motions. They saw him before he visited the hilltop, and then they saw the wounds when he came back down. Okay. So there were enough witnesses. There were enough witnesses to know that he didn't go up there and stab himself in the hands. And stab himself in the side. Mm-hmm. He just came back down and had them. Interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of bonkers. Yeah. But that was in 1224, so, like, who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> who really knows um, what was going on? But, yeah, it kind of depends on the person. There have been, there's actually been several hundred, they call them stigmatics. Um, some who only have the hands and feet. Some also have the scratches on their foreheads from, from the, the crown of thorns. thorns. Um, uh, and some also have the, some have the whipping marks on the back. Yeah, I had never heard of that, actually. That's interesting. And some have the, uh, Spear of Destiny in their side. The only interesting thing for me is, and I looked it up, like, why did all this start happening in the 13th century? Mm-hmm. Like, it never happened before. I don't even think it's mentioned in the Bible. Does anyone know? No, I don't think so. Someone will correct us who listens to this podcast, I'm sure, but for now, I really don't think so. It's not a mention in the Bible. (laughs) I don't know. No, but I have no idea. Um, But if you look at the theological trends of the time, the Catholic Church uh, of St. Francis's Day had started to place uh, greater importance on the humanity of Christ. Uh, and they would soon introduce Corpus Christi into their calendar to encourage the contemplation of his physical sufferings. So religious painters and sculptors of the time were starting to depict Jesus in agony with blood dripping down his body instead of like a peaceful face and glowing. Because that's what he always would depict it as. Right. And then all of a sudden in the 13th century, that's when you started to see like him Hanging on a cr- on cross. Not just like arms yeah. open happy yeah. on a cross like actually being like suffering on the cross yeah. and that's when stigmata started and okay. there's been several hundred cases since then that's interesting yeah yeah one, one of the things i didn't mention in the story about anna rose was uh when she did talk about christ she talked about him with his crown of thorns down and how much suffering he had yeah and mm-hmm. how she, if uh for how she could be a better catholic for him to relieve his suffering as a 12 year it's just such a mature, crazy thing to say. <laughs> I know. If I was 12, I would you know, come out of my visions and be like, does anyone have any TV. root beer pops? Her mind couldn't be fried. It was like, like wake up, yeah. read the Bible, eat some food, go to school, right. read the Bible. That was fun, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't what know. What else would you do? <laughs> I don't know. So there was a ton uh, of like, there were at least 10 more stigmatas in the 13th century. Uh, there's been over 500 since. What's Let's the most see. recent? Like, is this still... I don't know what the most recent okay. is, because I tried true? to look up... Because the thing is, St. Francis is the one that's absolutely recognized for having the marks of the stigmata. Um, other people have had the stigmata and come out later as fronds, mm-hmm. or they've had the stigmata and there haven't been enough witnesses to confirm like, that it's actually happening story. to them yeah. and they're not doing it to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, a uh, Padre Pio is a notable one. He was a Capuchin monk. Uh, he's probably the most popular one. Like, if you've ever heard of Stigmata, he's probably the one person that you'd know of. Um, 
he's supposedly experienced a number of strange phenomena. He's also um, affected a number of miraculous hearings. He ended up, he was canonized by Pope John Paul uh, II in 2002, and he bore the marks of the stigmata for 50 years. Wow. Like, continuous years. Wow. Now, how, how deep are these marks? Are they surface level, like scars? Or are they, like, you can, you're just dripping blood? You're bleeding. So 50 years all deep the time. time. Yeah. So it was just consistently happening to him. It was just always there. He. It says, when he was asked if the stigmata were fake, he replied, well, if they're not real, then I'm the first one to be deceived. No, <laughs> oh, man. Um, it's just weird, because a lot of stigmata, it doesn't necessarily always happen with people who are, like, super religious. Mm-hmm. There's been stigmata in Korea and Japan. They aren't Catholic. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of them are, anyway. There are Catholic so um, what, Japanese. What I don't know. the reasoning is. Um, it's interesting because uh, the majority used to be female. Now the majority are male. The one thing I find interesting, of all the known stigmatics... Uh, at least seven, maybe possibly even more that we don't know about, but at least seven of them died on their 33rd birthday, just like Jesus. Yeah. And not like died, like expected. They weren't like expected to die. They just passed away on their 33rd birthday. Um, that's pretty crazy. So there was a blessed Mary Buardi in 1846. She died in 1878. The wounds on her hands came from inside. Uh, witnesses reported that they saw swelling on her palms as if something was trying to work its way out of her hands and eventually open wounds appeared. So that's kind of crazy. And she died when she was 33. She ended up breaking her left arm. She fell carrying water uh, in for workmen. She was helping them build a new convent and her arm ended up not healing and swelled with gangrene. And then the infection spread to her lungs and she died when she was 33. This woman was kind of crazy. Maria uh, Domencia. Uh, 1815 to 1848, uh, she received the bleeding stigmata in 1835. She also had the crown of thorns, and she would receive the stigmata each Thursday evening into Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, one occasion, the crown of thorns lesions in her head were counted, and there were 40 penetration wounds in her forty. Jesus, oh, man. Crazy. She died, uh, she just kind of died. <laughs> she had predicted many events in her life, including that she would die. Yeah. She was kind yeah. of like your aunt, how she was like, it's going to happen soon. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, you've had a rough life. Yeah. Maybe just, maybe you're just tired. And then she just died on yeah. her, like wow. a couple months after she turned 33. Yes. So this woman, Anne Louise Lateau, 1850 to 1833, she actually died from her stigmata. Uh, in 1868, she began bleeding from her side. Uh, the Friday after that, the tops of her feet were bleeding. The next Friday, the blood flowed from her side, her feet, and abundantly from her palms and the backs of her hands. And a few months later, months later she received the wounds of the crown. Um, and her physician actually tried uh, what's called glove tests on her. Um, since the stigmata on her hands appeared every Thursday around midnight and would remain until Friday, uh, two doctors placed specifically fitted gloves on her, fixing them with a special cord and a wax seal that made it impossible to tamper with without de- mm-hmm. detection, like they would know if it was uh, messed with. And uh, the end result was that the stigmata appeared on Thursday evening as usual. Wow. And they oh, tried wow. this on two separate occasions, or three separate occasions with the same result each time. So she bled like that for uh, every week for 15 years. Oh, Approximately 800 bleedings. Almost 250 grams of blood were lost each week. 
Uh, she even, she's one of the only ones I could find on this. She even re- received a lesion on her right shoulder from where Christ carried the cross. Wow. She passed she kind on, of had everything. Yeah. August 25th, 1883 at, or, I'm sorry. Yeah. August 25th, 1883, she was 33 years old. Yeah, that's there when she was a teenager then. Yeah. Or younger. You know what's kind of crazy about the stigmata is a lot of my stuff is like, people see visions or they hear vision or they uh-huh. hear things from Christ or God or whatever. Yours are like other people see it on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, which is kind of the coolest thing. Cause a lot of my stuff I feel like can be explained away by mental illness or chronic mm-hmm. right. disease. Well, or... I think stigmata could also be explained away by mil- mental illness and chronic disease. Like, especially if they had, you know, cause there are some people where they actually saw the stigmata happen on their body, and that is kind of unexplainable. I mean, it might be explainable, but it's kind of like, whoa, other people would just be like, wait, she didn't have any tools to do this, and it happened. There's no way. She's got fingernails. She has teeth. Yeah. Of course, the glove test, that doesn't make sense, because she had these gloves on, but other people could very well, you know, uh, when you have epilepsy, probably, is one Mm -hmm. of them, or, you know, constant seizures, um, autism, you can peel, pick at your skin. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the things. Uh-huh. So they could very well be picking at their places hand. on their skin yeah. and wounding themselves. Sure. Where it doesn't make sense is where people have had, like, marks of whippings on their back. Right. And there's no tool for that in the room. Well, mm-hmm. could it be a whipping or could they be long scratch marks from fingernails? I don't know. I mean, most of it has been, like, I mean, bloodied. Yeah. I guess you could do it to yourself. If you had a, a severe mental illness, you could absolutely do You would find do that a way to, to do it. Yeah, but I'm I, sure everything you could, if you really worked hard, you could find an explanation for anything. Yeah. But some of them seem like there were witnesses and there was no explanation. Well, and it also could be psychosomatic. Mm-hmm. Um, the power of suggestion. Sure. I mean, it can have crazy effects on our bodies. There are real ca- cases of people going blind. Uh, deaf, losing the ability to use their legs and hands, all because they believe something is wrong so strongly that it actually manifests itself physically. Um, there's also been multiple documentation of cases of hypnotherapy in which a therapist uses the power of suggestion to make the human body seemingly do the impossible. Um, for example, reports of people being under hypnosis and having a needle stuck through their hand and being asked to bleed on one side but not the other, and their body does it. Mm-hmm. And they're not in any pain. Uh, or saying, I'm going to hold this flame up to your skin, but you won't get burnt. And they don't. Like, their skin oh, doesn't burn. Doesn't even react. Um, so imagine believing that, like, this thing, stigmata, can happen to you. And believing that what you're experiencing, uh, that you are experiencing this. And also having the people around you filling you with positive reinforcement. One, they believe it's happening to you, too. Two, you're getting all this attention now. Yeah. Your body could just, it could just happen mm-hmm. to your body. Which is still pretty nuts. Which is still insane. <laughs> right. That it could just happen. You could just think about it so mm-hmm. much that all of a sudden it happens. That it occurs. Yeah. That's intense. Are there photos of of the stigmata anywhere? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to post some on our Facebook wall, but they're pretty graphic. Yeah. It's a lot of blood. Maybe, yeah, it maybe be okay. a little bit. But a there's little like much. even um 
I mean, it's not even just the marks of Christ, though. These people have, like, like the woman that sweat blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's people that cry blood. Yeah, I've heard of that. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Ugh. That makes my eyes hurt. <laughs> Thinking of that. I struggled with this topic, though, because I looked up mainly stigmata. Uh, I tried to find... So basically, Kelly was looking up stories about people who have claimed to speak to God and what God has told them. And Lauren was looking up stories of, uh, which we will get to very soon, of um, people who have mainly committed crimes and said that the devil made them do it. Because that's usually what happens when people say they spoke to the devil. It's usually after they've done something bad. a nice moment. Yeah. So I was trying to find, like, the proof in the pudding. I was trying to find, like, some things that are miracles or are just phenomena that, like, can't be explained. But I struggled because everything that I found, I could find an explanation for. Yeah. Yeah. And I was telling Joe that earlier. I was like, I really want to find something that I'm like, I, I don't have an explanation for this. It, I can't explain it. And he was like, I feel like in order to do that, you have to believe in God. Yeah. And I was like... Yep. And he was like, I don't think you can look and you can look and you can look and you can look online for like proof. Yeah. And he's like, but that's what a billion other people are doing. Right. It just doesn't exist. You just yeah. have to believe in it or you don't. Like ghosts. I mean, you yeah, guys, but if you ghosts guys... are kind of like ghosts I can believe in without believing in them. But like why? ghosts are because like ghosts, I don't, I've seen a ton of things that I would describe as ghosts, but I don't know that they're ghosts, but I know that I saw them. So it could be like, you know, the time thing. It could be that I'm seeing into the past or seeing into the future uh-huh. or seeing into a like a different universe. So I believe that they exist. I don't believe that they're dead people. Right. Mm-hmm. But I just believe that I'm seeing something. But you could say you have faith that ghosts are there. Yeah. Just like people that have faith in God, know mm-hmm. that he's there, whether or not they, they see the signs. Yeah. Whether or not they can actually, like, articulate, like, why it happened, but they have the faith that this is because of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they, but they don't always believe in ghosts, you know? Like, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think that's probably, I think you're right. If you didn't, if you don't believe in God, you're kind of looking at it like, how is this proof of God? I can explain this. I don't see yeah. it. Whereas someone else would read that same story and be like, what a miraculous, amazing moment that God created for us. And you're like, no, it's because this girl did this thing and that guy did that thing. And then they came together. Like you would, you'd find a way around it. It's like when my dad explains why I believe my house is haunted. He's like, it's an old house, Kelly. It's built like in 1901. It creaks. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? It's the wind. It's always the wind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it's so difficult for me to, well, and it's probably because I've never witnessed anything. The sure. reason that I believe in paranormal activities because I've witnessed it. I know that it exists because I've been there for it, and it's it fascinates me because I know that I've experienced it. Yeah. Whether or not I experienced something, whether or not I saw someone who was dead, which I don't believe I did, I still experienced something. The reason I'm so fascinated with UFOs is because I believe that I have seen a UFO. You know what I mean? Yeah. And with, like, God and with the spiritual stuff, I have... There's I, no experience. There's no experience. Yeah. Were you guys raised in, like, a faith? 
yeah. in general. Yeah, I was, I was raised, yeah, Lutheran. I was raised Catholic. Your parents, they talk about it very much? Uh, my mom does sometimes. Do you? Um, the Catholic Church? Yeah. Uh, not anymore, because they have since left as well. Yeah. But. Uh, so, yeah, same as you guys, raised in a faith. I was raised Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of spiritual stuff, like my mom didn't really talk about religion. She kind of just let Catholic school teach me whatever it is that I want, needed to know or whatever to be a good human, whatever that is. Right. <laughs> um, my dad, though, isn't. Like, it was an interfaith marriage. Pretty much my dad. He was raised That's Protestant. actually kind of how mine was. My yeah. mom was the one that put us in Lutheran school. My mom went to church. My dad didn't. Never asked. Yeah. Yeah. My, my dad still went to church with us. He was raised Protestant, but he was more Eastern thought. Like, mm-hmm. he meditated. He, okay. he followed, like, uh, transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. Yes. He was the one that talked to me about religion. And mm-hmm. it was from listening to his experiences with, like, his spiritual side that make me... I, because I'm not a very religious person, and I don't know if I believe in God, but because of the things my dad has said, like, I am open to the possibility, and so, like, if people say that it's because of God that this thing happened, it's like, I won't necessarily, like, discredit them. Yeah. Yeah. No, me neither. You know, well, yeah, and not saying you guys will, but it's just interesting how that happens, because my dad's not Catholic, but I, but the things he say are, fall in line with, like, Catholic thoughts. Right. Too. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Like, he's felt, like, warm light behind his head and then um, had, like, epiphanies over it. And because of those epiphanies, like, met my mother. Right. Or, like, things that happened at certain times that he felt like he had to do this, like, he was guided or pulled one way. And then this, like, really amazing thing happened to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I mean, I... visions. Yeah, I consider myself to be a very spiritual person. Uh, I just don't believe in the Bible. That, you know what I yeah, mean? No, so I, I like, totally agree. I'm that. extremely, I'm an extremely, I'm open to everything. I would never say God does not exist because yeah. I don't know shit. Yeah. But I feel like that should be the theme of our show. I don't know shit. I don't every know shit. Episode, someone says, I don't, we don't know shit or right. I don't know We're shit. We're not experts on anything. No yeah. one's just experts like on chat. anything. Yeah. Everyone just like. Sure is fun though. It yeah. is. Sure, it sure is. It's fun to pretend time. like you're an expert in something. I am not. Um. But I am, what was I saying? I don't believe in the Bible. Yes. But I'm very spiritual. Uh, I can't say yeah. that God is, I think I finished my thought. Yeah, I think that was it. I just it. lost you it. You can't say that God has never existed, but you just have not had an experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. For for a long time growing up, I didn't really, I mean, I don't really believe in God, like Catholic God, Christian right. God. I don't really believe in that. I don't really know what's out there. But for a long time, I, I when I had, I mean, like, growing up in Catholic Church, they're like, if you don't believe, you're going to die and go to hell. Right. So I was like, okay, well, I believe in saints. And that's where I put, like... Saints are the coolest. Well, and that's where I put my faith saints because... Saints are really cool. Like, in every Catholic Church, underneath the altar is a little bit of a saint. Whether it's skin, it's fabric, or it's his, hers, his, his or hers. Like, a tooth, you know, things yeah. like that. So I was like, oh, so that's real. Yes. Like, this is real. And I can put some stock into this real person that was canonized into being a saint because mm-hmm. of their actions that were deemed miracles. Right. And I actually have... That just seems very logical. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of this higher being that you can't see, you're like, oh, here's something tangible that yeah. I see, so I'm going to put my faith in that. that. When, I kind of like I, your mind. I like your yeah, when I had thought to, process. Though. When I had to go to church and do all that kind of stuff, I was like, well, saints are where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know anything about incorruptible corpses? Uh, please tell me more. Uh, this is fascinating. So, uh, 
Uh, incorruptibility is the name given to the situation in which a dead person does not decay after death. The Orthodox Church considers it essential in consideration for canonization as a saint. The Roman Catholic Church considers it a sign of sainthood, but not a necessity. Um, and I should add that both churches uh, believe that a body is not deemed incorruptible if it has undergone an embalming process, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if it becomes stiff with rigor mortis, uh, as most corpses do, slash all of them. But incorruptible saints remain completely flexible as if they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, incorruptible bodies are often said to have the odor or odor of sanctity, exuding a sweet aroma. And over the years, there have been hundreds of saints whose bodies have been found to be incorrupt some many hundreds of years after their death. Wow. Um, so St. Bernadette, for example, she's been dead for 130 years. And her body is just perfectly preserved. Where's her body? It's in Paris. Where? It's displayed in a crystal coffin in a chapel at the Abbey in Paris where she served as a nun. So no nothing has way. been done to her body? It's perfectly It doesn't preserved. smell? How often do they touch it? It doesn't. Well, she's in this crystal coffin. And the thing is, is that some of the skin on her body came off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The skin, some of it rotted away. Okay. But you can, like, move her body. It's not like, it doesn't smell bad. Yeah. It doesn't, it, she's not just bones. You what? think she was just really well hydrated before <laughs> she died? <laughs> she's just People tell us to drink well. water. Yes, it's they really do. the key to like, life. Maybe she, like, slightly mummified but stored the water. Well, because she's be. got, I guess they put a little bit of wax over the places on her, like, face. That, that actually fell off. That actually fell off Ooh. and, like, on her hands. <laughs> But yeah, her body's just in like a case, and she's That's just gross. not a skeleton, an old creepy skeleton. She's been dead for one hundred thirty years, and, and she's the same. Years. You know, there, there's a like a Buddha or a monk. I guess it would be a monk. There's a monk that's been sitting in a lotus position for hundreds of years, and they say that he's alive still, but he's just so deep in meditation that he's just been. In this that dream. sounds what? like something out of Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> We have to go Uh. wake him in order to learn the prophecy. I feel like that would be a line in a movie. What? That's pretty crazy. That's bonkers. Um, So one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, another thing that I looked into when I was trying to find proof, uh, faith healing. And Mm -hmm. I know Lauren found some stories. Uh, Do you have any good ones? Yeah. Um, so first of all, just to kind of give a little background, just like, I found this random story. Um, there is this doctor named Dr. H. Richard Kastorf, and he's an experienced doctor and medical researcher. He's published more than 80 research papers in a career that has spanned almost six decades, and he has earned the respect of all fellow doctors. In the mid-70s, he undertook a research project with, with a difference. I don't know what that means. That's just how the article wrote it. With a difference. He interviewed 10 people who claimed to have been miraculously healed of serious conditions. He examined all the case histories, x-rays, medical reports, etc., and also submitted them to medical specialists for review. In all 10 cases, the evidence showed that an unusual healing had taken place after the patient received prayer for their healing. The cases were written up in a book called The Miracles, which includes some of the x-rays. So one case is a woman named Lisa Larios. Lisa was diagnosed with cancer of the hip when she was 12 and was unable to walk unaided. Her family decided chemotherapy was too traumatic and called it off after one dose. The family were Catholic, though not very religious, and a family friend invited the family to a Christian healing meeting conducted by a healing evangelist, and the friend 
fasted, and prayed for a week beforehand to prepare for this. During the service, Lisa felt a warm feeling in her stomach, and Catherine, the evangelist, said someone in her section of the auditorium was being healed from cancer and should stand up. Lisa, against her mother's wishes, stood up and was able to walk without pain for the first time since the problem had appeared. Lisa was x-rayed several times after that, and it became clear that something strange had indeed occurred. Further further x-rays were taken and reviewed by several doctors, showed that Lisa's hip had been fully restored and the cancer was gone. Interesting. So that's just one of those things that I don't, I'm sure, like I said earlier, if you research, maybe you could find an explanation, but it seems very fast and very bizarre. So is this a specific person that's doing the healing and you've done multiple cases of it, or is this a researcher that has found cases across like the country? This researcher has just found tons of cases across the country and just created this book of a collection of them, but he actually did his research. And like I said, in the book, he presents x-rays and evidence like he wanted to do this research and say, hey, these aren't just, this isn't just hearsay and rumors. Here's medical evidence that this makes zero sense. And this person was healed. And so this website that I'm on just has a couple examples from the book, but apparently the book has like hundreds. So it's pretty nuts. So that was just one I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's something that's not like, I have a lesion on my foot. It's like, no, I have a cancer in my yeah. body. And I can't that's walk. Something. Yeah, and I can't walk from it. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is pretty bonkers. Uh, that kind of stuff's so skeptical. Skepti- uh, skeptical. Skeptical. To what? The faith healing? Yeah. Well, because and again. It's, it's, it's like snake oil, you know? Well, again, I was looking at uh, faith healing, and uh, that one's pretty crazy. But I was looking at um, people that have experienced faith healing, and faith healing actually works. It actually works. It's not like uh, th- these people aren't lying. It actually works, but it's best explained by the placebo effect. Mm-hmm. So it, Psychology Today even did a study on faith healing, and it coincided with a study on antidepressants and whether or not they work mainly via suggestion. Because a lot of people think that antidepressants, more so than a chemical reaction... It's a placebo effect reaction. Right. People take that. antidepressants and expect to feel better, and then they do. Right. And so it's not necessarily, it. yes, because yeah. they're willing it. Uh, so from a scientific perspective, faith healing is unexplained, incomprehensible, and should not work. But it absolutely does. Um, it's the same that's true of drug placebo effects. Faith healing is capable of boosting the immune function. Which would explain why minor lesions clear up faster than otherwise, yeah, than they would otherwise. Yeah. But if you think about it, it's the same as like, okay, so you have a cold, right? And you're laying on the couch and you feel like shit and you have this cold. What do they always tell you? Get up and move around. Mm-hmm. Go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Get up and do something. Mm-hmm. Because when you do that, that tiny bit of adrenaline that gets you up off the couch and gets you moving is immediately a boost to your immune system mm-hmm. and you're going to heal faster. Mm-hmm. So if these people are hear- hearing you are healed or you will be healed, it's just a boost to the immune system. Now that does not explain how cancer sure. leaves your hips yeah. and allows you to walk again. That's the thing. There's totally different instances. This one I just read is insane, and I don't know how to explain it, but I absolutely agree with what you're saying. With more minor instances mm-hmm. where it's like, suddenly I didn't have bronchitis anymore. Right. It's like, well... <laughs> well, you, yeah, you got better. Yeah. But, you know, you think of, like I said earlier, the psychosomatic, mm-hmm. uh, the stigmata being, it's in your head. It's the same with, you know, I read the story when I was doing research of this woman who... 
I think she worked at a grocery store or something, and at one point, uh, one of her co-workers accidentally sprayed her in the eyes with uh, a cleaning solution. And this woman was undergoing a lot of stress at home um, that attributed to this as well. It wasn't just this instance, but she was undergoing a lot of stress. She got sprayed in the eye with this cleaning solution, and it burned her, and she had to go to the hospital, get her eyes cleaned out. The doctor said, you're fine. The next day, she was legally blind she was blind she couldn't see and she was blind for like years uh the doctors couldn't find anything wrong she was not blind but in her head she was blind so Hmm. she was blind so she just convinced herself she was blind yeah she ended up having to go to a psychiatrist and a neurologist who basically had to talk her into seeing again Wow. They pretty much had to, like, convince her, you are not blind. Yeah, this you did made not this happen up. to you. And eventually she regained her sight. Wow. I can't believe our brain can be that powerful oh, to yeah. make her think, I can't see. Which, I can't see. I know we hear stories like this all the time. I should know by now that our brain is just an insane thing. <laughs> just but, crazy. wow, to go blind when you're not even blind. Yeah. Yeah. What a strong, powerful belief she had. So, in, you know, in those cases of, you know, faith healing, I don't think a lot of those people are lying. I think that they actually were healed. And I think that, you know, in some cases maybe didn't need to be healed mm-hmm. and were just talked out of believing that they were sick or believing that they were blind or believing that they were whatever. So I don't think that it's 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 a bunch of frauds. Uh, I just don't know. How it works. Well, you know what it kind of reminds me of? Huh? When you guys told that story, I don't know if it was last week or a couple weeks ago, about the the murder restaurant, where it was like all that bad energy hanging out in that booth. Oh, yeah. I was talking to you about it at uh, the bonfire. Oh, okay. We talked about it in person. I didn't hear it on your show. (laughs) Got it? Okay. What are talking about? But so there's this uh, all that bad juju and all that bad bad energy. energy concentrated because multiple people got murdered and all that, like, she got concentrated. Uh-huh. And what if it's this kind of the same thing when people do, like, like prayer healing, when it's a group of people, and mm-hmm. you have all this positive, positive energy yeah. and all this well-wishing, and you you kind of know about it, and you, I mean, a lot of people say that they feel really warm mm-hmm. uh-huh. when people are doing that. It's right. Like, You're feeling something. Maybe it's, a, it's on a similar level. Yeah, similar wavelength. Well, and that's the same with, uh, it's psychosomatic. You think about, um, or, or is it? I don't know. But you think about, like, I meditate. Mm-hmm. And when you meditate, for example, there's one form of meditation where you, you breathe in, uh, and it's like a, you breathe in and you imagine like a cool water. You're breathing in a cool water and that water fills up your whole body. And when you breathe out, what comes out is the blackness what comes mm-hmm. out is is the bad it, what comes out is the is all your germs and all yeah. your like all the gunk that's in you yeah you breathe in the cool water it washes you you breathe out the dirt and the grime mm-hmm. you actually feel better if you do that for f- five minutes a day if you do that for more it's even better but if you do that for five minutes a day you feel fucking invincible mm-hmm. it's probably just that you're breathing correctly for once in the day right. But it's just so yes. Yeah, so if you're do if you, if I can do that alone for five minutes and feel that much better, imagine being in a full room of sometimes like that guy you were talking about 
that um, Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn. Yeah. You're in a room with you know hundreds of people. Yeah. Sometimes thousands. These people go on like youth retreats. They go on these yeah. uh, th- these things with thousands of people. Everyone's singing the same song. Everyone's praying the same prayer. I can't imagine. Yeah. It's a powerful thing. How that would feel. But talk about Benny Hinn. What a bonkers dude. Well, Benny Hinn's like. Uh, Benny Hinn me, is a is a he's a bad dude. Yeah, I he yeah. I don't think he's good. I feel like I don't even feel like he has good intentions. You know, I don't think any preacher or pastor who has a television show has good intentions. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, I about. I feel like his followers might get something out of it, kind of on that group idea of praying together but i don't feel like the person that they're praying with is trying to actually heal anybody no and though the whole thing about benny hinn is he's an he's an israeli televangelist and uh-huh. i mean he's israeli he's from israel yes um in canada i think he oh. moved to canada and then he came down here okay anyways but he uh he's in the whole revival side of things and right. revival religion he claims he has received healing powers from god and that's how he cures people right but if you read a lot of his stories like there are a lot of sick people that go to him they're in wheelchairs they're on crutches they can't always walk on their own and they're turned away because they could people around them could actually see if they're healed or not and so he doesn't deal with those people yeah Mm. he deals with the people that are like depressed or have like internal issues and then yeah and smacks them in the head makes them fall down and then I've says that they're smack cured them in the head and actually make them fall down i so had a stupid. whole bunch of gifts for you guys to look at oh fantastic so, um i'll pull this up he is here's the thing anytime there's a pastor or preacher who's uh preaching on television and i and he has you know a multi-million dollar home right i don't and trust him i don't jet. i just and a don't. jet Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to turn away from that. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Don't believe the words you say. So while we're looking up the gifs of this bad man, did I say gif? You, you said, did. Oh, you no. Said. No one tell Joe, please. Can we keep that between us, just the three of us? I mean, I'm probably going to tell the world. Don't. On this podcast right now. Cutting it. Cutting <laughs> it right out. Edit. Okay, that's all the time we have uh, this week on Keep It Weird. Uh, that is uh, part one of our um, divine intervention, divine interference, divine meddling um, episode. Tune in next week for part two. Kelly's going to be back. And by be back, I mean she stayed here still the here. entire two hours. She's still here. <laughs> um, and, um, and we're going to finish up this episode next week. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Keep It Weirdcast and our Facebook page, Keep It Weird. Uh, where every week we post a movie suggestion we think you'll love, as well as pictures, videos, and articles relating to that week's episode. And we encourage you guys to give us feedback on those posts, as well as share with us some of the weird stuff you guys find along the way. Uh, if you want to do us a huge, huge, huge favor, go over to um, iTunes and give us a five-star review. The more five-star reviews we get, the more we are seen, the bigger this podcast is going to become, and then maybe we could become famous people. 
who um, can't even leave the house without the paparazzi. Go on vacations in Bali. We're going to go on vacations <laughs> in Bali, but we'll bring our ghost hunting equipment with us. Yes, we will at all yes. times. <laughs> um, so very quickly, um, we are going to do a shout out for Andrew Miller. He got us an infrared thermal thermometer and an uh, EMF meter, which we're going to, it's going to come in handy for us as we gear up for the next couple of weeks. So thank you so much, Andrew. We're going to use the crap out of those, uh, looking for some ghosts. Um, and preemptively, we're going to thank Kelly for being with us today. You're going to be thanked again in a week, but thank you. Hi, you're welcome. Hi, you're welcome. And what's your website again? My website is kellyreadisdead.com. Kellyreadisdead.com. You'll Check be hearing it. that again um, next week when we do part two. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Lauren, what's our sign-off today? Oh, you bitch. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um. I got you. I got you. I love the fishes because they're so delicious. Gotta, Gotta go, go fishing. I love fishing every day. And my mom says that's okay. I love the fishes because they're so delicious. Do you guys edit it? You don't, right? Or you do like a little she bit? Does, I do. Do you cut out like stupid stuff? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay good. Well, because I pause so much, I'll be like, "Well, and the thing is," <laughs> and it's like, "What is happening in your brain?" Almost positive, I have some form of ADD because I will start a sentence before I know what I'm going to say. Then you mm-hmm. just stop.